the Six Pointer Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Six Pointer Podcast. Post-match reaction to Crystal Palace's nil-nil draw at home today to uh, Fulham, or to Fulham, with Fulham rather. As always, I am Matthew. I'm the host for this pod. I'm joined by my brother Luke and Kevin. Luke, come to you first. How are you doing? How are you feeling after that one? Oh, just like Gary Cahill said in the post-match interview, that that was an okay point. I'm okay, thank you, Matthew. How are you? <laughs> Very good, thank you. I'm good. Kev, how are you? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Um, I suppose, you know, like Luke, pleased that we've got a point but uh, I think there's quite a lot we can dissect tonight personally on a on a nil-nil draw I think quite a lot to talk about. Yep so we went into the game on the back of the uh, last minute uh, laughable victory as it could be from the week uh, against Brighton against the Fulham team who are very much in form I don't they've lost in six of them rightly uh, despite their their league team position and actually you know as they showed today play some play some really good stuff a um, few changes from Roy Benteke came back in and I think if I remember right PVA was the only other change or you guys can correct I missed anyone there um, right. I think Mick I think Mitchell uh, had a knock, didn't he? And and I, I guess Benteke was uh, selected for his kind of uh, attacking stroke defensive uh, options that he gives us up front. So we went into the game off off the back of a, uh, a real big high in the week, obviously ending the way it did. Didn't quite pick up from that though, Kev, did it? The, the first half certainly sort of flat to deceive such that the, those watching on the BBC will have seen the uh, somewhat uh, com- comedy uh, show at halftime about what exactly they were going to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, well, in fairness, I, I'm glad I weren't, you know, uh, Alex Scott or poor old uh, Mark Hughes and had to talk about that one. Talk about get a, uh, a a duff deal to have to talk about that game because uh, the first half was poor. I mean, we've sat through some poor performances, but it really was very very disappointing. I don't I don't really know what to say, Matt. It was it was embarrassing. I mean, we were bad last time we were on the BBC against Aston Villa on Boxing Day. I thought surely we can't be as bad, but. Uh, you know, I, I just thought we were lacklustre. I don't know. It's, it's very, very difficult to describe how disappointing it was. And I actually, I'm, I'm sorry to say, I was a bit embarrassed today. A bit embarrassed by how we played. I really was. It's, you know, if ever you don't want to go and watch a team at the moment, it's most really Palace. And that's, that's break, that breaks my heart to say that at the moment. It's really difficult to watch. I think you sent a text saying... I wish you'd done your gardening. I think it was you or it might have been your brother. I don't know. But, uh, you know, maybe you should have done your garden. You would have got more fun out of it than watching Palace today, sadly. I think I'd stuck my nets up in the back garden. I mean, it little goes back nets. We might have had some more, more shots going on. I mean, Kev, you mentioned, you mentioned the embarrassing term. You know, what, what was it you found embarrassing about the performance today? I'll tell you what I found embarrassing, Matt. I mean, the last thing I want to do is be controversial or try and shout. You know, I just felt as though if, if you look at how they played against Brian, everyone put their body on the line. You know, Cahill's made a brilliant challenge today, else we would have gone one nil down. You know, uh, Vince has made a great save from point blank range with his header. But apart from that, I've not really seen us get out of first or second gear, you know, and, and that's what I find embarrassing. I think I text, I think obviously text both of you boys when we were about 25 minutes into the second half and said, if there were fans in the ground, I know it's a big if, 
There's no way our fans would accept us playing as lacklustre as we've been. You know, it's almost pedestrian at times. And, you know, we did make Fulham, yeah, of course, they, you're right, Matt, they've played six without defeat. And they're playing with, um, you know, a, a bit of swagger about them and playing well. But we're the home side. They're third from bottom. And they're the ones creating all the chances. I don't think we actually created a chance, did we? The closest we got was when their defender nearly scored when uh, Andros put in that dangerous cross. And that was the closest we got in 90 minutes of football. And that, that's why I'm embarrassed, Matt. If I'm honest, I am embarrassed because that's on the BBC. And for people who haven't got the benefit of Sky or BT, you know, you're looking at Palace and you're thinking, blimey, that's like watching paint dry today. Sorry, but that's how I felt. So, so it's interesting because I, I remember a couple of balls into the box from Andros in the first half. The first, as, as you mentioned, was the one where the defender sort of, you know, poked it towards the keeper. And, you know, fortunately, it sort of landed in his hand, or fortunately for them anyway. And then there were a couple of other Andros boxes into the ball from the right-hand side again, where, you know, Ben Teke wasn't quite on the end of it and they sort of drifted over. But, you know, I'd agree with you. It was a bit of a, uh, a dull performance from Palace in, in that first half. And Fulham offered a bit, but not much more. Luke, what were you thinking at half-time other than trying to stay awake? <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking about line of duty or whatever the BBC were trying to point us towards at half-time. Look, for me, it was kind of a, like a watered-down version of Monday's performance because we didn't have much of the ball. You know, we, we, well, we didn't have any shots on target. Obviously, we had two, two shots on target on Monday. We didn't have any shots on target today. I think the stats tell us that we had three shots. Couldn't tell you what they were, if I'm honest. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a watered-down version of Monday's game in that sense that you know, they were always going to, I felt, going to be on the front foot in the runner form that they were in. We were just going to be there to sort of try and catch them on the break because they had to come at us. This was a must-win game for Fulham, I'd say, whereas for us it was more... Well, this and Monday night was kind of like a must-not-lose, I'd, I'd say. But yeah, Paddy's didn't create much. But defensively, Gary Cahill, like Kev said, he's got to give him credit. He made a great block. Vicente Guaita from uh, Maja's head, a great, great save. But apart from that, you know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I think, had, had a, a long-range effort. But apart from that, I can't really think of many clear-cut chances throughout the whole game. It was a bit of a drab affair to his view. But, you know, if Palace can go through drab affairs and come out with a point, given the uh, what it feels like the type of football we've been playing and, um, you know, this sort of staleness is around the club, as long as we're not get, getting zero points out of a game, I'm I'm kind of thinking, well, okay, it's you know twelve more games and let's it, it, see what we can do. I'm not expecting anything spectacular, if I'm honest. How did you Since see it, Matt? Well, that, those chances, like I was going to say, Luke, those chances that Luke mentioned in the second half when I I remember texting you guys saying. I expect Palace to up up a few gears here because I felt the first half was a bit flat from Palace. I do think that the result uh, the other night against Brighton has been what everyone has focused on. I think, as Luke alluded to, the performance, we got battered. Let's face mm. it, 90 minutes, we were in our own half. There were points in, in the week in that game where it was people were, th- I mean, you mentioned throwing a set of bodies in the line. It was, it, it really was. And I think that the result has really overshadowed the, the performance from, from the week. And I, I thought Brighton were, Brighton were good, you know. Um, I certainly thought Bro- well, Fulham were decent today. They came, I thought they came to get a win. And a lot of teams will come away from home just to kind of get a point and, and grind something out. But they didn't today as, you know, they had a lot of the ball. They did stuff with it. Yeah, granted, they didn't have many chances but second half there were sort of um, periods of play where they had a lot of the ball and they, they did create chances and um, 
you mentioned that the, the the Vince save was 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 fantastic at second half, wasn't it? Away from the was it the magic head of that one? So I mean, I thought it was a bit of I didn't think there was any lack of work rate. I didn't think there was any lack of determination to to get something out today. I just felt that going forward we lacked the creativity, and I think we're massively, as we said in the week and the pod before, I think massively miss, missing James McCarthy. No, James McCarthy. Sorry, James McCarthy was yeah. involved to tell me. James McCarthy, we're massively missing him. We obviously massively miss Miss Wilf. Those two together get you up the pitch. And today we didn't have anyone really to get us up the pitch. I think if you're talking about for players who didn't really perform today or didn't do as well as they could have done, I'd call out Eze. Mm. I think this is a game where Eze can get us up the pitch. He can bring us up. And despite uh, without him, we haven't really got anyone to do that in a midfield with Luca and um, and Gyro. Who, who aren't going to do that? They're to, to to grapple, to battle, to win the balls. So I think for, for me that it's it's really showing at the minute what we've got to work with and how limited we are without those players. I don't know what different team I would have picked. I'm honest with you to to get a different result, a different outcome. Yeah, I, I think look, Fulham have got something to play for in the sense that, admittedly, I hold my hands up. I wrote the bottom three off. I think around Christmas time, um, but Fulham have sort of peeled, peeled away from that, and they've got half a chance now. You know, if they if they put if they win the next game, they're level on points of Newcastle, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, there's there's a, there's a chance for them. Whereas the other two, I think, perhaps it is curtains for them. But on on the Eze point, Matthew, it's just it's interesting, isn't it? Because without Wilf, obviously, he's the person that everyone looks towards. Are we expecting too much from this young man, given that he's played what uh, twenty five Premier League games now, uh, and you know, there's it's a lot. There's a lot of expectation on him, given that he's the next shining star in the in in the team. Uh, behind Wolf is a ha. Kev, do you not think we're expecting too much of him? Maybe, maybe is there something around um, um, the weight of expectation on him? Do you think? Well, I, th- I think you know he scored three goals, hasn't he? Three great goals. But we've said on the pod on quite a few pods now. Yes, there is possibly expectation on him. But if you want to be a great player, you've got to step up now today. And Matt alluded to it a moment ago. We played a formation today which did allow Eze, as far as I was concerned, the freedom to get on the ball. Now, I would expect a player of Eze's quality, when you get on the ball, to try and influence the game by going forward. What I'm noticing in a lot more, when you looked at him when we played West Brom away, he was on fire. He would get the ball and his first thought when he was playing with Sluppy and that was attack. All he seems to do now is go across the patch or he'll glide for two or three slices and then go back. And I, I'm finding it really disappointing that, you know, he looked frustrated when he came off. And I'm thinking, why have you, why are you not, you know, why are you not going past players and trying to engage players and take them <clears> forward? <throat> that's what I think that's disappointing me. And, and maybe, yes, you're right, Luke, maybe we're putting too much emphasis on Eze because... Let's be honest, with, with Gyro and Luca, that's not an exciting, they're going to push forward and penetrate. So you are looking for Eze to do it. And when he didn't do it, and I think today, whereas Jordan would normally do a lot of that, he wasn't doing that as much today. So there wasn't a lot going forward. I thought Andros worked really hard, if I'm honest, particularly in the first half along the right with Joel Wald. I thought they looked very solid. And big call out, if I may, one positive today, Joel Wald. Uh, you most probably heard, boys, because it was on the BBC, that he's passed Wilfs today as the most played Premier League player for Crystal Palace. So I think it's really important we give Joel a big shout out for that. And I think we all saw the thing the other day. And although he's played eight games against Brighton, five wins, 
three draws. So I think, you know, a great unsung professional who we don't say a lot about. Um, so well done to Joel there today. But but yeah, I just felt as a... I just want to see him do more. I want to see him engage players and do what he does best because he goes past people with ease. But he, I don't know if he's lost his confidence or just a bit of belief, but he's not doing what he was doing eight weeks ago. He's not I mean, doing it as much. Is there something about all eyes on him? Because in that team mm. without a Zahar, without a Schlupp, those players who will get on the ball and carry the ball, he's the only one. Fulham will know that, right? Scott Parker and his team are not silly. They know that, that he's Palace's ball carrier. He's the, the, the flair, if you like, in, in that side. Um, and yes, Townsend and I, you will get down the wings and, and, and do that thing. But in the middle, he's going to be the one. He's going to be the one they're looking to out of that start eleven on the Palace side to to do something for us. So you know they know that they have an opportunity to, to you know in a sense get to half him. For me, it's not so much about you know as a and, and well maybe it is in the sense that how many seasons ago were we thinking about James McCarthy? He pop him with you know four four to six goals a season. You know, Andrus Townsend would be hitting four or five goals a season. We're, we're missing that from the team as well at the moment. So yeah, where the, 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 the strikers aren't, aren't delivering, it's also, you know, we're, we're missing goals from elsewhere in the pitch. And that also falls in Eze, you know, that he's brought in as a, as a number 10 or I actually think he's looked better when he's been pushed out wide and been allowed the freedom to, 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 to drift in as and when he wants. But there was a, an Optus stat that came out today. So Crystal Palace have had just 33 shots in five Premier League games in February. So since the data has been collected, um, it's the fewest by any side in the competition in a calendar month. So and I think the minimum was five games. So look, it's not just a striker problem because Roy was asked around, you know, why didn't Mateta get the chance given his... his um, uh, goal on Monday and perhaps some would argue that it would have been harsh to drop the lad but Benteke did really well when he came on and, and arguably you know deserved his chance but I, I don't know maybe we need to try some different combinations and maybe 4-4-2 is, is, is the way to go back to so you can have two big men up front Mateta and Benteke is something I'd like to see I think that would be interesting to see how that works it might be a complete nightmare but um, I, I'd like to just say I've watched 45 minutes of it I just think that the, the formation today gave us the best chance of getting anything out of that game because if we because look how much the ball Fulham had and look how much they control play without the two in midfield the two biting players in midfield of Luca and Gyro, I just think we get we get turned over in yeah. style in, in in that one. Kev, what, Kev, what would you diff, what would you do differently today? What would you have formation selection? You know, yeah. you've got the same same hand Roy has. What would you do? To be honest with you, Matt, I think you sent the text, what would you do differently? And I think you and your brother had a bit of a, not a falling out, but you were having an exchange. And I didn't jump in on that because I didn't know what to say. Because actually, I don't know what I would have done different today, actually. You know, I I, I think, you know, I'm not going to try and uh, avoid the question, but I just want to throw out a few points just, just from where we are. Now, we've played an informed Fulham and we've played an informed Brighton, right? Seven days ago, we hadn't played Brighton yet. And if I'd said to both of you boys, I'm going to offer you four points, we're not going to lose the game. And if Brighton had beaten us last Monday, they would have been above us, right? We're now seven points ahead of Brighton. We've played our last six games and we've picked up 10 points. Three win, a draw and two losses. And I'm not saying we're getting on the players' backs, but we are sitting here with 33 points in the bank as such. And... You know, 
it's not glamorous at the moment. It's not great. We're in that transition period. And I think we'll come on to what I think is the elephant in the room, which is contracts and Steve, show us your hand, what's going on. Because I do feel, you know, whether it should be players should be playing for a contract or not, or whether players have already got plans where they're leaving Crystal Palace, but there's not enough coming forward now. And I don't want, and we have done this a few times, we've now got 12 games left. I do not want our season to fizzle out like it did last season. But in fairness to you, Matt, I haven't answered your question because I honestly don't know what I would have done different. I honestly don't know what we could have done different. It just... It just feels as though that lack of tenacity or energy, and that's what I'm struggling from. And I can't believe that they're that fatigued that they can't feel the energy. Sorry, Luke, I know you want to come in there. No, it's exactly on your point, Kevin, around this feeling of staleness and, and the fans aren't, well, the, the, the general consensus on social media, you know, take it with a picture sort as you may, is that, is that fans aren't enjoying the football at the moment. You're only in, only Man United, Man City, West Ham, Leicester, Arsenal and Chelsea have more. Have got more points in 2021 than Crystal Palace. But it doesn't feel that way, does it? No. So, so it's, no, there, it there's some... I mean, look, we're all affected by the fact that we can't go to games and that probably highlights people's frustrations even more, right? But the, 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 I mean, the elephant in the room is, is, is the 12, 10 contracts up, the manager out of contract, that sort of thing. And that's going to create this unease. But I guess... Thank God we're not doing that walking into a relegation battle. I think, you know, we're safe. So uh, yeah. there, there's that. But yeah, there's another 12 points to, to sort of to limp through, yeah. 12 games to limp through, Kev. Can I ask you, Matthew, now then, and forgive me, because I think we've almost moved on from that bit. Can I ask you now, 12 games to go, within reason, I, I'm with Luke, I think we're safe now. I know we're not being complacent, but we're 10 points ahead of Fulham. That's quite a lot at this point. You know, results have gone our way this weekend. Let's be honest, everyone, every result's gone our way pretty much. What would you do now if you were Steve Parrish? Now, do you, there's 12 games to go. We cannot sit through that again for another six, seven, eight games. Can we? Or can we? It goes back to why I asked you the question, Kim, is what, what's the alternative at this point in time? Because he has the hand... The, the hand has been dealt with the injuries and the players he's got. Bar people coming back, he's got nothing else to work with. And I just, I mean, okay, four four two, play two up front, maybe. I just don't see alternatives. Uh, bar tweaking with things slightly and tinkering with things here and there, I yeah. don't know that the the uh, outcome is going to be much different to what it is today. I mean, let's face it, right? Like I say, I, I felt we got battered in the week, came away with a result. We were the away team. I was happy. Smash and grab, you know, happy to take that. Today, yes, it was dull. Waste of a Sunday lunchtime. And yes, it was me about gardening Kev. I got a lovely new fork, lovely new spade. I could have got to use them today. I could have cracked on. That's two hours lost. Yeah, but I, should, I felt like I should have done afterwards. But again, I come back to this, and it's probably a boring thing to say, but I've watched Palace for so, so long. And the context of following Palace as a fan for me is always so, so important. And this is a this this performance for me is a blip. It's a blip in a in a in a generally positive run, like we referred to in 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 2021 so far. Yes, there's been a few catastrophes. The Burnley game comes to mind. There's been some close calls. The the West Ham one was at two three. Or, there's been a few a few that have been sort of here and there. 
Yeah, and I look at it, and actually, you know, largely 13th place, as you mentioned, 10 points clear from relegation zone, pretty much certain, not mathematically. Yeah, okay, you never write it off as a Palace fan, but, you know, pretty much not far away from it. I'm actually not that that gutted. I think you've you the elephant in the room, as you say, is what is happening with... Uh, Roy, I'm more interested around. about the manager. I want to know what's happening at the managerial level because that sets the tone as to whether contracts are offered to these new uh, to existing players or not. And that's what I want. I want to. I feel as though now, show us your hand, Steve. Tell okay, us what's going on. You're talking about on. an announcement. Is that what you're talking about? You, rather than sort of maybe yeah. maybe in action or, or manager being sat. You're talking about an announcement that Roy Hodgson will be. Not would not be having his contract renewed. Is that what you mean? Uh, I think I I hadn't really thought in that depth, Luke. What I was trying to think of either back Roy and give him another season with respect, because I think Jonathan Pierce said today on the commentary it was only about this time last year that Parish committed again for Roy and Ray Lou for another twelve months. So all I'm saying is, look, we're at this point now. Either back him. Uh, clearly not sack him, but either back him or say something's going to change. Because ultimately, you know, I, I want to know, because I do think, you know, we don't know what goes on in the dressing room. And as you've said, Luke, you've alluded to it before. They might, It might all be a done deal behind the scenes and everyone knows what's going on. But give the fans something to say this is what's going on. Because Kev, we're getting Kev, quite... Yeah, sorry. Can I, can I just, can I just to, not to be challenging, but, but why? Why do they need to do that? Because Crystal Palace are... Not in a relegation battle. They're not going to win the champion, get the Champions League, but they're mid mid table, mid table mediocrity. The the position that we've wanted many many years is in front yeah. of us. There's been some dull performances, some good performances. Last last couple, okay, a great great win, but you know dull performance. And today a dull performance. What what does why does Parish have to do that? Because the way I look at it is, I, I don't think they're going to do anything, because in a COVID world we live in, for yeah. the manager and for the players, they have to earn a contract. They have to, to do something. I mean, people are out of work. People have been out of work for a long time. People have been laid off. People have been, you know, had their their their, their incomes, you know, funded by the government and, and so on and so forth. There's hard times, right? Why yeah. do footballers, 11 footballers and a manager and whatever it is who are out of contract in a few months' time, why do they deserve something that the general public don't? I tell you what, it's not about the players and the manager. Everything you've said there, Matt, 100% agree with. I'm, I'm talking about for the average fan because actually, you know, I, and I don't mind being out on a limb here. I'm just not enjoying what I'm watching. I'm not enjoying what I'm watching. And I can't, I, of course, I will watch Palace to the day I die. And, but I, I just, I'm finding it quite sad watching us at the moment when we look so lacklustre. We know what Crystal Palace is about. We've done it on numerous times on this pod and what we care about. And I just feel that that is what's missing. So it's, I couldn't really, what, whoever players are going to be there are going to be there. Whoever the manager is going to be there is going to be there. But it feels as though something needs to change because there's a mismatch for me that it doesn't feel as though... It's not they don't care. Of course they care, but it's not coming across as though they're playing for the badge again today. And that's what I'm struggling with. I don't want to see what happened at the back end of last season where we just fizzle out and we just, you know, I'm not asking, I'm not, I'm not trying to get above my station. We, we all know about the chance scenario we've talked about. I'm not trying to get to that, but just, 
just give us something. Because actually in this difficult time, give us something. We Everyone wants to watch their team play football, whether it be on telly or whatever. So just show us that you're doing. I'm watching Sheffield United on at the moment, right? Now, they're going to go down with mostly one of the lowest points totals ever, but they have not stopped chasing, trying to do what needs to be done. And this is a team that knows they're down, you know, and that's all I'm saying is ours don't play as if it's... I don't feel as like it plays as if it... It's not, it doesn't matter, but who cares if we don't really get a result today? And that's what I don't like. Sorry, but that's just how I'm feeling, Matt. Maybe I'm, I'm being a bit cynical. It's, 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 look, fans are always a commodity to, to football clubs, aren't they? In the sense that, you know, they, you can get match day income from them. You can sell programmes, you can sell shirts, you can sell hot dogs and whatever. I, I, no, I don't, I'm not going to for a second say that, you know, Football clubs don't think fans don't matter. But at the moment, you said it yourself, Kev, you're still going to watch Man United away on, or Man United, home away Wednesday night? We're at home. We're at home. Home, sorry. You're still going to watch Palace versus Man United on Wednesday night, even though you watched that dross for 90 minutes, even though you watched that dross for 90 minutes on Monday night. So Palace fans aren't really, apart from me and Matthew, who are stupidly paid off our season tickets, although we are getting pro rata refunds. Palace fans aren't giving Palace any money at the moment. So it's almost like, well, why do you need to appease the fans? Because... Come D-Day, when, when June the 19th, the 21st, or whenever it is next season, that Palace decide to open up their gates again, where they had 18,000 season ticket holders before, there'd be so many more who think, bloody hell, football's back. Yeah, I'm going to finally get that season ticket. Yeah. And yeah, it's almost as if, as if fans, you know, nothing's going to happen at Crystal Palace this season, right? We're, we're not going up. We're not going up. We're not, we're not going to go up to the next point in, in the league, you know, into the, the Europa League spaces yeah. or the mid-table bit you know we're not going down either so it will peter out and yeah. it won't be until that time that fans need to be included yeah but a steve Parrish interview might be nice where he sits down in the soho office and, and gets his gucci yeah. shoes out and talk, t- t- tells us what's happening with the academy and things like that but i think that's about it bruv. but you're but right heart, matt you are right heart, matt. you're absolutely right so I'm, Kev, I'm with you, right? I, I don't want to sit and watch the performances like we are at the minute, I, I, but I do come back to what would we do differently? And I, 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 I mean, I, I might be missing a trick here. There might be people who can say, you know, they do this, they do that. I, I can't think of what I would do personally. Secondly, from an emotional perspective, I'd love Parish to come out and say the plan for the next twelve months is X. You know, Roy is going to become director of football, and yeah. Jokingly, Dougie's going to take over and whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. He's obsessed with this, is. isn't he? He's obsessed with this. He's obsessed with Dougie. It's going to happen. It's going I reckon he's got money. I reckon he's got money on it, Luke. I reckon he's got money on it. But you know, I'd, it's, I'd, yeah, I'd love him to come to the master plan and and of the eleven players that contract, don't worry because the six good ones who aren't earning under twenty grand a week, we've got a mail. They're all signed up, you know, and the other lot yes. they can go. You know, but 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 and I'd love that from emotional perspective. I guess from a from a from a logical perspective, football's a business, and yes. the world the world that we're in at the minute, you've got people who. And this is, this is where it's really interesting to come back to your point a minute ago, Kev, about playing for the badge or the passion or whatever, or, or the, uh, putting the work rate in. Because if these people want to play for Crystal Palace next year, they should be busting a gut right now to earn the right to get a contract in June, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and, and the interesting thing is, if we don't think they're doing that, they either says something about the players, as in... They they they're gone. They don't want to stay, and they're not they're not looking to earn a contract to Palace. That does that's a is a bit perverse though, because surely you're looking to a, a world contract elsewhere. I think Stephen Warnock on the commentary, who I thought was really good actually today, said said that a couple of times about you know you're in you're in the shop window by being a footballer, 
uh, particularly at the minute where it's all on telly, you know, every single game's open to the public. So, you know, everyone can see you. So, you know, whoever it is at any club can see you. They know if, you know, X, Y, Z is, is performing or not and, and, you know, want to sign them up. So it is a really interesting dynamic at the minute. I, the, the, the sort of the, um, the dream roomy hopes that they've got, the ones they want to keep lined up in some way, shape or form. But, you know, whether Paris is using it to be realistic about where football might be, in a few months' time, a better negotiating power for for want of a better term. It sounds perverse, but you know, in reality, the global economic situation is such that our football's yeah. wages going to decrease at, at negotiation point. You know, who knows? So, yeah. yeah, there's a number of factors that are planned. I and I'd, but I'd and I'd love for something to come out. I, I really would. I mean, yeah. maybe a parish thing is a good is a good idea. You know, but then again. What, why do they really need to do it? I don't know. I think, no, I think, I think you're right, earlier. I think you're right. I think everything you guys have just said is exactly the right counter, not argument, but point to what I've said. You know, I've, I've sort of put my heart on the sleeve and said why, and you quite rightly have come back as far as I'm concerned with quite rightly, why would you? And, and everything you said, in my opinion, is right. I think it just, you know, unfortunately, boys, I've been, I've been watching them a lot longer than you, uh, and I mean it in a lovely way. And it, so I think sometimes my fuse is just that little bit less tolerant around the frustration levels because I've seen, I've been at Sellers Park, we've had four thousand on a Sunday against Carlisle, and it's cold and there's lots of issues, and you just think, I don't know, it just feels as though some of these boys have got it quite easy when I'm seeing them strolling around and as you say Matt it's a tough world out there at the moment a lot of people are going through a lot of things and uh, you know so I, I think that you know leave me it's a bad day you know what today is for me so it's a tough day for me emotionally today so but, I think I'm Kev, feeling a bit raw about stuff but Kev you're, you're not alone there are thousands and thousands of the Crystal Palace mm. fans I'm sure I feel exactly the same at this point and, and let's not get this wrong you know I, I'm not sitting here delighted about what we watched today uh, nor the general theme of things in a minute I guess just trying to think about, you know, what would we do about the situation? How could we be hands-on about it? The, the other interesting, oh, is it interesting? I don't know. Other, other lens on it would be if we weren't in a COVID world and if there were fans, therefore, in the stadium, things might be different. Because yeah. you know that, you know, you know, football fans can get behind. I mean, Palace fans are better. Uh, you know, you, people say, I'm going to say, it, Palace fans are better than most out there in terms of getting behind their team, in terms of the noise they make, mm-hmm. uh, that they're following home and away. But similarly, they will let the, the, the players know when things aren't good enough. You know, I remember the halftime game. Was it the Sunderland game at home? And it was 3-0 down. I mean, you know, there, there, yeah. you know, there was the scenes were there for, for all to see. So at the same time, I would say that if 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 there was a different situation and and the things on the pitch were happening, but maybe the the, the wider global situation was happening, it might be a different situation in that sense. It might yeah. be, but you know we're not in that place to, to know. So let's 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 park that then, boys, because I think that was cool on that bit. Can we uh, can we go forward to talk about the Man United game on Wednesday and and do we think we're in a are we still a couple of wins away or do you think, do you, do you honestly in your heart of hearts feel as though we're safe now? I'm going to open that up and I'm going to go to Luke first. hundred percent safe for me, mate. There's absolutely no chance of Palace getting relegated. I would put my mortgage on it and I'm due to remortgage in a few weeks. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely put it on it. Um, for me also, what's nice, I know you, you Kev, said about, you know, a dire performance today. I'd be interested to know how you feel about it because the instant sort of feeling around the fact that Look, I know Roy's not very happy, and he said in his post-match press conference he's not very happy about the fact that we've got to play 
Man United on Wednesday night and the game was changed. We're playing Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday, are we? No, we're, we're playing next Sunday again. I think, I think Tottenham, we're the, late, we're the late game next Sunday right. night, I think. I think. So, so, but, but Roy wasn't happy with, with the move of the game, I think, um, is what, what is his point. But for me, you know, I'm looking forward to Wednesday night. Palace are playing Man United on Wednesday night. You know, it, it, it's still Man United because, you know, I was a 90s kid growing up watching Premier League. But Man United is still, you know, one of the biggest teams in the world for me. Um, so the fact that we've got them coming to Sellhurst and we've got a game, you know, for me to watch after work on Wednesday night and the fact that Jean-Philippe Mateta might get another run out, you know, perhaps starting given his, you know, I didn't say Christian Mateta didn't take his chance today, but I think it will be good for him to get the experience of, of playing, you know, and that's why he joined Crystal Palace to play Man United and Chelsea's and Arsenal's and Liverpool's, you know, he's a, he's a ambitious uh, footballer. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. Um, I go into it with little to no expectation, if I'm honest. Um, I think it did they draw today? Was it nil nil? Yeah, they drew nil nil. So yeah. I think that's 20, 20 unbeaten away games for them, which is outstanding. Nearly a whole season. Um, and and into Crystal same. Palace. Into well, Crystal Palace. Well, you, you, ne- go, you never know. Never know. Matt, what's your take? Are we safe? Hundred percent. Where do you see us? Not 100% because anything can happen, right? And things can turn very quickly. But I think in, in all likelihood, yes, we are. Um, it'd be nice to get to the mathematical position, wouldn't it? Um, and as Luke said, it's all set up into Crystal Palace for, for the surprise victory. And, you know, we just we just want to see performances improve over the next few games to pick back up to where we have been um, this season. And, and, you know, some of the towards the end of the season Crystal Palace that we're used to seeing as well. You know, this is, this is when we tend, not the last couple of years, but when we tend to get good and, and the shackles sort of come off. So, you know, who knows? But, but hopefully onwards and upwards, Kev. How do you see it? I, I'm, I'm like, I'm with you, Matt. I mean, I, I think one more win makes it absolutely clear. And I, I don't, you know, I think that, you know, with the results that have gone today and yesterday, I mean, Brighton, obviously, um, Burnley, Newcastle, I think they're in a bigger dogfight than we're going to be. And I still think that we can push on a little bit because I still think, you know, Wolves and Leeds are, you know, if we could, we've got a chance of finishing 11th in my mind. And if we finish 11th, then that mostly equals, I think, Roy's ever best position with us. And actually, when you look at the number of injuries we've had, you look at what we've done, that's good. And if to have 33 points this far, you know, we've still 12 games to go. It's fantastic. So let, let's not lose too much sight in it for all the, as you say, the doom and gloom um, around. I, I, I think we, we should be OK. I think Wednesday will be very tough, but you just never know. And that's the thing about this season. You know, I, I thought Man United would have gone for it a bit more second half tonight against Chelsea. Uh, and they didn't. And I think, I think it was Roy Keane said it on the sky. It almost feels as though they've settled for... Uh, possibly a Champions League position. No one's going to catch City. We know that now. I think that's pretty much done now. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how it all shapes up. So I'm, I'm like Luke. I'm quite pleased we've got a game on Wednesday because I think they need to put that behind them quickly today. Um, but again, goes back to the point I made a little while ago, Matt. You know, we've got 10 points from our last six games. Now, I didn't quite get my nine points from the three. If they'd won today, we would have. But, you know, it, that's not a bad return from where we were. You know, with the number of injuries we've had, I don't think that's been a bad return. So so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Looking forward to it. Let's see what goes from there and um, onwards and upwards. But, we, you know, we've got a tough, tough couple of weeks. I think if we can get a win, you know, even if we get nothing from the next few um, and then turn West Brom over then I think we're, we're, we're safe. We should be safe within the next couple of weeks, in my opinion. 
think what we'll hopefully start to see is some players come back from injury, which does give the manager some options. I'd love um, to see Jeff Slap back. We need yeah. Slappy back. We need his energy, which Luke's alluded to on numerous occasions. We all love Slappy because he's direct. I want to see him back. Don't know what the score is with Wilf when he's back. But, uh, yeah, there should be some people coming off the injury be- injury table soon. And Jimmy Mack back soon, hopefully, will make a big difference in there for the energy. So you just mentioned a number of players, Kev. I'm going to put Matthew on the spot first. I'll come to you afterwards, right? At this point now, who would you call Crystal Palace's player of the season so far? Um, and Matthew, I'm going to come to you first with, with, with a, a two-word answer, and I want that to be first name and surname. Mamadou Sacco. Jesus Christ. I shouldn't have gone to the first. Kev? Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack's your player of the season, you reckon? Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm actually torn up. For me, my, my immediate reaction immediate thought is Jordan Ayew mainly because he won it last season and I think he's been so positive even today he was trying to be positive and bringing the, the ball the ball forward I'm kind of split either him or Gary Cahill given his recent heroics but um, it's interesting isn't it about try, trying to think about that Matthew if I come back to you now you actually give me a real answer in all seriousness, I'd say the goalkeeper I mean the, the thing with us this year is I, I struggle to see um, to remember people who have been consistently in the side that you'd normally have. You know, your player of the season normally be someone who's played, you know, most of the season. But we've had so many injuries. And also, to be fair to Roy, also he has used players at his disposal. So the left and the right backs, for example, have switched to that, haven't they? There's been a lot of changes there. Yeah. Kev? I was going to say, forgive me, I've just had a proper thought. I mean, I was thinking of Jimmy Matt. I'm thinking of the games I've played. My man of the season for Crystal Palace is Ray Lewington, actually. Just for his shorts. shorts. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Ray Lou for the commentary and what he does on the side to keep people going and the way he's on at them and that because that's, 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 been, that's been a big part of what we needed this, this season to keep them going. Because uh, it's been a tough season, boys. It's been a tough season, isn't it? Sorry, Matt, I didn't mean to cut across you there, my friend. Apologies. I probably had not much more to say on the point anyway, Ketos. Yeah, I, I just, I, th- I think we've had so many changes this year that, you know, it's it's um, it's evident that we're struggling to think of the player of the season. I think all good shouts. I think all good shouts. I think you might have to get a bit of a petition going there, Kev, to get uh, Mr. Lewington involved. I've not heard the assistant <laughs> manager win, that, win player of the year all before, but, you know, why not? It could why happen. Strange times. He's going to get Clubman of the Year. You know, we all want him to have Clubman of the Year. I think he might win legs of the year, Kev. You never know. <laughs> yeah, bravest man. Yeah, Definitely. Good stuff. Definitely. Well, Definitely. As, as we said, guys, a, a difficult watch today. Uh, a positive uh, sort of four points from, from two difficult games for the Palace. But, you know, we look onwards and upwards. Yeah, I, 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 and boys, I know we're coming to the end of the pod. So can I just say, and you, I'm sure a few of you, you boys might have seen it, Tonight it was announced late afternoon that uh, very sadly that uh, Glenn Roder, a uh, very great player in my generation, uh, step over Roder as they used to call him when he used to do it. Um, wonderful player for QPR, Newcastle, managed obviously the great West Ham and uh, Watford amongst Norwich and other clubs has passed away sadly today at 65. He's had a brain tumour uh, and I think he's left uh, a wife and three children. Wonderful football man, was heavily involved with um, Glenn uh, Hoddle as part of England as well. So um, you boys know what today is for me with my family. So uh, 
to hear of a, a passing today of a, of a great football man, a very good football man. Uh, I just think it's really important that we uh, pass on our <laughs> best wishes, condolences, whatever it is. I'm not quite sure what the terminology is tonight, but um, yeah, uh, very sad and uh, will be greatly missed by anyone who appreciated good football and a uh, defender who could bring a ball out and look comfortable. So RIP Glen Rover. Yeah, echo, Ken. I mean, certainly, certainly, I'm not someone that I saw as a player, but as a manager, obviously, um, Great you know, I saw what he did at West Ham. Um, I, I remember him having some health issues. Was it at West Ham or? or yeah, he, he hadn't taken um, time off, wasn't it? It might it, be related. It was, yeah, it was. It was. It goes back to 2003, apparently. Um, so when he was manager at West Ham, he was he was poorly, uh, and he also yeah. managed Gillingham as well down my neck of the woods in Kent. Uh, but really, really good player in his day. Uh, very confident. I remember him coming in. He was in the QPR team. Uh, sort of, I'm going to say early '80s. Might even been slightly. Uh, might have even been slightly earlier than that. But you know, 65, no age. Um, and I think it's um, as we always do on this pod. We acknowledge good football people, and uh, I think it's only right that, uh, especially today, um, we mention that. So, uh, R.I.P. Mr. Rhoda. Yeah, commiserations to, to his to his friends and family, obviously, and um, hopefully he'll be he'll be um, rightly remembered the next um, round of games in the Premier League. Yeah, I think they absolutely will, Luke. And I think you know, uh, particularly, yeah, I think I think everywhere he was involved in, um, yeah, a proper football person. Absolutely. So uh, as we mentioned, uh, Man United up next, so they don't get any easier. But a good chance of Palace to react uh, and start, hopefully, come out of the blocks, battling and pick things up from uh, from today. Chaps, as always, as we finish on uh, up the Palace. But before that, don't forget at Six Pointer Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. I nearly, nearly forgot. I was all ready to do the app, the app, the app <laughs> nearly forgot. So I'll do it again. Instagram, Twitter at Six Pointer Podcast. Thanks everyone. Getting in touch. Uh, we love your messages. We love to hear from you. So please do keep them coming. So Kev, Luke, thanks very much for joining me as always. Thanks to all the listeners. And as always, up the palace. Up the palace. Up the palace. The Six Pointer Podcast. Up the palace.